My name's Nate. If we haven't met yet, I'm the lead pastor here at Hope, and it's an honor and a privilege to bring you God's word today. We are in our fifth and final week, thanks Mark, of our series, our Lucha series, our fall series, Lucha. How many of you guys have been enjoying the Lucha series? Come on. I am loving this series. Lucha, if you're just joining us, is kind of the Spanish word for wrestler or fighter. As the luchadores and the luchadoras are male and female fighters. Any fighters in the house? Come on, we're, we're here to fight and we're here to loose the luchadors. We talked about that in week one, how we're loosing warring angels and there is a, a battle in the heavenlies. Today, we're actually going to shift gears a little bit. We're going to talk about winning the war within you. Everybody say within. within. Winning the war within. We're calling this one warring within. Tell your neighbor, warring within. These hidden battles that nobody sees. Nobody knows, and nobody can fight them but you. These hidden things in our hearts, in our, in our minds, in our attitudes, in the atmosphere of our life, they're just hidden battles, but nobody sees them, nobody knows, and nobody can fight them but you. We're talking about warring within today. Anybody excited about that? <laughs> warring within. Today we're going to look at a guy named Joseph in the Bible in Matthew 1, 18. I know it seems a little early for this story, but I want you to catch it, okay? Happy Thanksgiving, by the way. We're going to have a great... Anybody have anything to be thankful for this week? Come on, we're going to have great Thanksgiving. There's so many different versions of Thanksgiving. There's Friendsgiving. There's other givings. I just think of all the givings, and I'm glad to be thankful to say today. Aren't you? I got so much to be thankful for. One of those things, it's the word of God. Let's get after it. Joseph in Matthew 1, 18. This lights up my life. Now, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, the star of the show today, okay, Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. I just want you to catch that. Before they got together, she was found. Wasn't told, wasn't like sharing information. She was just found out to be pregnant. Yeesh. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Hey, Los Luchadores, right there. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Something came from heaven to earth, supernatural, broke through the firmaments right here in, in a dream. It had to be a dream. Why was it a dream? I wish it was just real life. Other people saw angels in real life, but Joseph gets a dream angel. Oh, my God. That's, how many of you guys ever woke up from a dream? You're like, oh, my gosh, was that real? And you're like, no, it was a dream. Dang it. I mean, wise men saw real angels. Mary saw real angels. Joseph gets dream angels. What the heaven, God? Why is it in a dream? Man, that would bother me. That would bother me for years. I'm sure it bothered Joseph for years. It's always like, was that real? You know what I'm saying? Man, that's a war. To wake up from a dream and know an angel talked to you, but still, you know you were dreaming. Ah. Anybody feeling some frustration? Frustrated already. I'm frustrated already. God, just. God, why can't I see a real angel? I get angel dreams, dream angels. Dang it. <laughs> Nobody ever pays attention to that, but he saw an angel in a dream, and I woke up from a lot of dreams, and that wasn't real. And sometimes I'm really thankful, and sometimes I'm really sad, because I could fly in dreams, and I have lots of really cool things happen in dreams, but it's like there's other really bad things that could go wrong and ruin my life in dreams, okay? <laughs> dreams are not real, people. Angels in dreams. Said, Joseph, son of David. Now that's important. Joseph, you son of David. This is God saying, what I'm getting ready to tell you requires me 
of reminding you of who you really are. See, you see your Joseph, I see you as son of David. Because Joseph is not going to want to hear what I have to say, but the son of David will. God says, I need to remind you that you're both. You're just a man, but you're also the son of David. You have to be big enough, Joseph, for both. You're not just Joseph. You're the son of David. Now, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. <sighs> because what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Yep, okay. Good dreams. Okay, sweet dreams. Ah, really had to be a dream. She will give birth to a son. I'm stuck on the dream. I can't get past it. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. So she's going to give birth, and you're going to name him. She's going to birth him, and you're going to name him. She's going to birth him, and you're going to name him because he will save his people from their sins. Now, this next part is for everybody who wants a destiny. Anybody want a purpose that's bigger than you? A destiny? Everybody wants a purpose right here. This is your verse, verse 22. All this took place to fulfill something that was spoken before you even got started. All this took place because you have no choice. All this took place because it's God's will for your life, not your will for your life. Now, if you don't like destiny, you don't like fate, you don't like purpose that's bigger than you, you will hate this verse. But if you want to get about your destiny, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Yeesh, I'm not sure I want this prophecy. And the virgin, my girlfriend, my hot wife-to-be, the virgin will conceive. What the heck, God? Get your own girl. And give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God hanging out among us. The, the uh, hang amongst us God. When Joseph woke up, Dang it, I hate this so much. He had to wake up. Why can't I just be awake the whole time? He woke up. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. Talk about a hit to the ego. And Joseph gave him the name Jesus. Where did the name Jesus come from? Friggin' Joseph. Okay, Joseph gave him the name Jesus. Joseph did that thing on purpose. Joseph chose to name him Jesus. In the book of John, Jesus tells us, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the word truth here is actually a word that means reality. Reality will set you free. So when Jesus says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, Jesus is saying we will all hit seasons and situations where we will need a revelation of reality. And he's saying, I want to interrupt your sense of reality so I can disrupt your false reality with a real reality that's going to actually add real value to your life. See, you think this is real, but there's a more real reality, and you're going to get a revelation of that, and it's going to add real value to your life. He says, when you know the truth, the reality of what you hear, the revelation of that reality causes a revolution in your life. And you become more than what you are by yourself. You're not just Joseph, you're the son of David. In other words, once you get exposed, you cannot be unexposed. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Once you see it, you start to get spoiled. And once you become awake to what's available, you start developing an appetite for something you didn't know even existed until you got exposed to it. 
Anybody ever had a revelation? Anybody have a revelation of what love is? Of who God is? I know you can show me. Come on. I want to feel what love is, right? It's like I got a revelation for you, baby. I got a revelation, and you can't unsee what I'm about to show you. I want to know what love is. Can anybody show me? Come on, he got to awake to what's available, starting to develop an appetite for something you didn't know existed until you got exposed to it. Because once you've tasted what's possible for you, you'll never be satisfied with something that's beneath you. Come on now. I'm talking to somebody today. Come on. You cannot be satisfied for less than God's very best. And God has given you some premature exposure to your future reality in here so that you won't get comfortable in your present reality because you are worth more than this. There is more in store than meets the eye. He says, I'm not going to let you settle for less than my best. So I'm going to expose you to what's for you before the time so that you don't confuse what's happening right now to all that there will be in your next. How many guys know your now is not what your next is? And today you need to know my now is not my next. There are better days in store. There are greater things in store. My current reality is not my only reality. Yep, I might be crying right now, but the Bible says those who sow in tears are going to reap in joy in my next. Come on, people of hope. You know, I might be walking into some closed doors right now, but my Bible tells me he opens doors that no man can shut. And he closes doors that no man can open. And my next is a season where there's going to be some open doors. Because how many of you know my now is not my next? Come on now. We need a revelation of a different reality. And that's what truth does. The truth sets you free. It rescues you from operating incorrectly because you perceive something inaccurately. See, you see everything right for everybody else, but how many times have you seen how incorrectly you see yourself? Incorrectly. Incorrectly. And he's trying to expose you to a new reality so you can walk in who you really are. The truth will set you free, and the truth can be disruptive. It's very disruptive. It's disconcerting, right? It makes you, it causes you to question all the things that you believed your whole life about certain things. It may cause you to question bad truths you learn from good people. I mean, they were good people, and they were praying people, they were even godly people, and they had pure intentions. But Jesus says, come on, part of what I want to do is I want to disrupt your sense of what's true with real truth. I want to give you a reality. I want to rescue you from doing life in a way that won't work. He says, I want you to align your expectations with the way life really works. And in John 16, Jesus said, the truth is, in this world, there is a wrestle. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, there's a wrestle. Not, he didn't say you might. He didn't say there's a possibility. He said, as long as you have residence in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. There is a fight. There is a wrestle. There is a tussle. And then he says, now before that sounds you, sends you into a downward tra trajectory with your life, before you begin to have an emotional spiral about all the trouble and how hard your life is, that's unhelpful and unhealthy, he says, be of good cheer. He says, choose a good attitude. 
Don't live sad. Don't be mad. For I have overcome the world of trouble coming against you. This is truth. In other words, he says the gospel, which is good news. He says the gospel is not good news because we get to avoid problems. It's not good news because we to sidestep our stuff. So the good news is not that you get to avoid with Jesus. The good news is that whatever you don't avoid, you can overcome. The good news is whatever you're willing to face, you can find freedom in. The good news <laughs> is that no matter the trouble, you can have a victory. How do I overcome? That's good. Now, now, how do I overcome? John says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. By faith you overcome. Wait a minute. James says faith without works is dead. Faith without action. Faith without levers. Faith without movement. It's useless. And this is what distinguishes faith from optimism. Faith produces optimism, but optimism and faith are not the same thing. Optimism is anchored in circumstances that are uncontrollable but under no one's control. So optimism says it will work out. Faith is different. Faith is in a person that has all things under his control. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. One name above every other name. So optimism says, it'll work it out. Faith says, God is going to work it out. A person is going to work it out. I turned it over to the Lord and he worked it out. See, the universe didn't work it out for me. The one who created the universe, he worked it out. He's a person. I need more than the universe. I don't need an impersonal existential force. I need a God, a high priest that is in touch with the feelings of my infirmity. I need the one who created the universe. The one who has a personal investment and interest in me. You can settle for the universe if you want, but give me my God. You can settle for good things, but give me God things. Give me my God. Psalm says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Come on, you can't juke Jesus. You can't get out of trouble with Jesus. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. Come on, somebody. Clap like you're turning it up in Hope Church. Faith is, is different from optimism. I would say I'm a very optimistic person. You know why? Because I have faith in Jesus. But that follows the faith. I have in Jesus. I see everything half full. I see God making ways all the time. I see possibility. I see opportunity with every op opposition, every obstacle. I see, man, I got so much going for me. But that's only because of faith in Jesus. That is not because of optimism in a universe or optimism in life circumstances. Come on, can you look the real in the face and really have a revelation of truth that supersedes your real reality. Because it's, faith is a, a corresponding action. It produces works, James says. It's something that I move on. I show you my faith by my works, he says. What does faith at work look like? Faith looks like a fight. And here we are. Faith looks like a fight. When your faith is working, what does it look like? It looks like a fight. When your faith is working, it doesn't always look like winning. But it looks like a fight. Ask Abraham, the father of our faith, if he always looked like he was winning. 
Ask Sarah, his wife, if she always looked like she was winning. Ask Noah if it looked for years and years if he was winning. Ask every person in Hebrews 11, the Hall of Fame of Faith. I guarantee you, it doesn't always look like you're winning. But it looks like a fight. I build this boat again today. If they call me crazy, so be it. I have faith and I'm going to fight. Come on, boys. Let's get after this gopher wood. We're going to have sex again tonight, honey, and it's ridiculous, but I'm going to fight. And all the guys were like, I could fight that fight. <laughs> right? They just kept fighting. Abraham and Sarah just kept fighting. 100 years old, cycle is dead. Never could have kids, just keep fighting. Faith looks like a fight. It doesn't always look like doors that are immediately open. It looks like somebody knocking at a door, kicking at a door, climbing through a window, punching holes through doors, tearing a hole apart in a roof to get to Jesus. Faith looks like a fight. A woman pushing through the crowd who's been bleeding internally for years. She's, been, she's pushing through the crowd. Get out of my way. I'm not supposed to be here. They tell me to go home. They tell me to stay home. Faith looks like a fight. A blind man shouting at the top of his lungs, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Shut up, blind man. Have mercy on me. Shut up, Bartimaeus. Have mercy on me. Faith looks like a fight. It's a fight, and faith shows up in a fight. Paul says to us New Testament believers, fight the good fight of faith. Fight to fight a faith. The fight is evidence of faith. It's not evidence of a lack of faith. The fact that you're fighting means you have faith. The fight is evidence. I believe this is for me. I believe it crazy. I believe it ridiculously. I believe it with all of my heart, wholeheartedly. The fight is a revelation that I refuse to settle for something less than what God has in promises for me. Because all the promises of God are possessed through faith. And faith has a fight. And it's time to learn how to fight the good fight of faith. This is no longer just church today. No, 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 no. This is a luchadores training facility. Welcome to the ring. Who's ready to wrestle? Let's get ready to, let's go, let's go, let's go. You walked into a wrestling ring today. You didn't know it. You weren't aware of it, but I'm ready to fight with you. Not with you, but with you. you we're getting ready to equip you with the skills that you need to bob and to weave. Come on, somebody. It's time to fight. And so, Tater, we're looking at one of the greatest fighters in the Bible, one of the greatest luchadors in the whole entire New Testament. He had a great contribution, but goes greatly underappreciated and undervalued. Because when we look at his story, we see that God told Mary she was having a son, but God told Joseph he was going to name him. And when we look at the story, Herod wants to perform genocide. He wants to kill all the babies and eradicate all the babies that are born of Jewish descent. Because he's afraid that one of them is going to be the king of the Jews and have influence based on a prophecy, based on a reality. And Joseph, you were the one that the angel appeared to in a dream. And he said to you, Joseph, you take your wife Mary and that baby Jesus and you get the heaven out of here. Because they're coming after you. Yes, it wasn't somebody else. It wasn't God who did it. It was you, Joseph, who protected and provided for that boy, so he could be all that God made him to be. 
Thank God for Mary. I mean, we cannot undervalue her contribution. However, she wasn't the only one that contributed to the rearing and the raising of our Savior. You don't see people still worshiping Joseph, but you do see him worshiping Mary. Mary deserves her credit. Come on, let's give it to her. Woo, Mary's amazing. We should celebrate Mary. We should honor Mary. Mary gave up her whole life for Jesus. Yet at the same time, let's give Joseph a little credit. Because her war, his war, were different things. Because he played a huge role in raising our Savior. And today, he wants to teach us how to fight. Joseph has a lesson for us. And I know many of you are reading this text saying, Pastor, there is no fight here. What are you talking about? There's nothing in this text about fighting. Oh, yes, there is. Well, I don't see any fighting in this text. It's just a beautiful Christmas story. Look again, because every fight has an arena. And some arenas are public, but there are also private arenas. There's some underground fighting and backyard fighting and back alley fighting. All arenas aren't obvious. And I know every single one of us, some arenas are incognito. And Joseph is fighting within. And he's warring within. And the issue is, he's fighting a fight that nobody knows about except him and God. The Bible says the man is engaged. Now, when we hear that word engaged, we think of something He's betrothed. And during this point in human history, betrothal was a bit different. You weren't formally married, but you had a legal obligation to marry. You had a legal obligation to follow through with it. You can't give him the ring. You can't give her the ring and then take it back. You just can't do it. Not in these times. So to call off the engagement, you had to meet the stipulations for a divorce. That's why they had never gotten together, yet they weren't married, yet they were kind of ready to get married and talk about divorce. So you're dating a girl, you get engaged to this girl, the wedding date is set, the families have lots of agreements with lots of contingencies, you have not engaged in any intimate acts with her yet, then all of a sudden, one day, she texts you and says, we need to talk. Can we talk? And whenever a man gets that text, he's like, oh my gosh, I'm nervous. I'm real nervous. So we call her and said, what's up, baby? She said, I'm I'm pregnant. Okay, who, whose is it? God's. Oh, my gosh. Don't do this. Don't do this to me. Don't even. Are you kidding me? We need to talk, and it's God's baby. Come on, let's not sanitize the story. I'm pregnant, and it's God's. This man is fighting. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill God. I'm going to kill everybody. I am so angry right now. Are you kidding me? You didn't see a fight in the story? And the reason I know he's fighting is because God says, I had to send an angel to go talk to him. In a dream. Kind of lessens it. Come on. Because he didn't believe her. You know why God had to send an angel in a dream? Because he doesn't believe her. Would you? I want to ask you, what did he feel? How's he going to tell his dad? How's he going to tell his mom? How's he going to explain this? Like, guys, I know the dates aren't really going to line up, and there's a little bit of things, but it's not me. I promise you, I, I wasn't it, and she wasn't it. It's actually just God doing stuff in our life. 
He's awesome. What an awesome God. He's got to go home, tell his mom and dad, uh, Mary's pregnant, but God did this. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? And he's fighting. He is fighting. And as I'm reading this story, I'm looking at what's happening with Joseph. And, you know, maybe not in practice, but in principle, the same thing is happening within a lot of people here today. Okay, they're fighting, and it's an underground fight. The fight is internal, so it's not super obvious. We can't see the fight that you're engaging in. See, Joseph, like most people, was fighting an invisible fight, and he's fighting in several areas that I think we must be prepared and equipped to fight in. We will not have his specific scenario. However, we will have, come on, we will have similar conditions, similar circumstances. We're not going to have this exact scenario, but something close in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives where there's an assignment that you've been given that is uncomfortable and you are unwilling to do. Anybody believe in assignments? Your willingness to complete the assignment is going to be based on whether or not you're willing to fight. Fight a fight that nobody knows that you're having. And Joseph represents people who received an inconvenient assignment with their life. Now, on the outside, they look like they're performing it faithfully. Man, He's just amazing. She's awesome. They're just great at life. But on the inside, nobody knows. It took an angel from heaven sent by God to even be in this fight. It took a divine intervention. God had to do something in my heart to be okay with this child that he gave me. God had to do something in my mind to be okay with this husband he gave me that I I chose, by the way. (laughs) You know, it took divine intervention. To make a marriage work that wasn't working. It took God coming to me and saying, Joseph, son of David. And what's scary is, because the fight's internal, you don't win anything when you win. You can battle with drugs, and you can win that fight, and people give you high fives. Way to get, way to get after it. You're the man. Way to be free. You can battle with hang-ups and habits, and you win that, and people come give you high fives because those battles generally are done in public arenas. But watch this. Joseph's fight is not for him. So even when he wins, he still loses. Even when he says yes to God, he still loses. Even when it goes right, it's still gone wrong. And when he wins the wrestle that nobody knows is even taking place, he's winning. His winning is unnoticed and unapplauded by anybody. So Joseph has to feel, he has to feel underappreciated. Anybody ever felt underappreciated? And our culture today looks at so many men and women struggling with a fight, and they say, why do we need to celebrate you? Maybe it's not on social media. Maybe it's not a public fight. Maybe you're not overcoming some huge addiction, but you're fighting nonetheless. And it's like, what what are we celebrating again? Why do we need to affirm you for simply doing what you're supposed to do? That's our call. What's the big deal? Why are we supposed to celebrate you for doing what you're supposed to do? Just do what you're supposed to do, man. That might be popular chatter in our culture, but it is inconsistent with the kingdom of heaven. Because all throughout scripture, you see God instructing us to encourage people to simply do what they're supposed to do. Because it's not easy to win a war that nobody knows about. And when you win, you lose. And you don't get applauded. You don't get affirmation. You don't get help. 
I mean, there are books and courses and trainings written and taught about the power of affirmation, affirming people, applauding people, letting them know you're doing a great job. You're doing better than you think you are. You got this. Come on, don't stop fighting. Keep on winning within. So why is it that we don't need to celebrate you again for doing what you're supposed to do? And at the same time, every Joseph feels like they're fighting the sins of whatever Judas came before them. And no matter what, all the focus seems to go towards the Judas who walked away. No matter how much building and affirming and showing up, Judas who betrayed gets the spotlight. Judas who was dishonest is the forefront of her mind. Judas the jerk that got there first gets all the first statements, the first ownership, the first belief. And the truth will not set you free if you're stuck in a lie from, from Judas. And no matter how many times Joseph says it, and no matter how many times Joseph shows it, Joseph feels like his contributions to rebuild and redefine are taken for granted. Because I can't just give you what you need, baby. I can't help you because all the attention always seems to end up on Judas anyways. My father did, dot, dot, dot. My first boyfriend did, my best friend did, ho, ho, ho. My last wife did, John, John, John. And to Joseph, doing the right thing can seem unnoticed and underappreciated. Am I preaching to anybody in the building? But at least Joseph knew he was the son of David. If I don't know anything else, you can't take that away from me. You can't change me. It's nothing I did to deserve it, nothing I did to earn it. I was born into this lineage. I was born with a different bloodline. Joseph, the son of David. I was born for this fight. I was born for this battle. I was born big enough for both. I was born to let my destiny be bigger than my immediacy. He knew his genealogy. He knew his lineage. He knew who his dad was. He knew who his granddad was. We have men now who are doing the very best that they can to lead their families. And they don't know that they're the son of David. They have no idea who they are or where they come from. They don't even know who daddy, I mean David, really is. They don't have a connection with David. They don't have a conversation with David. They don't have a lineage with David. So if I don't know who my dad is, I don't know who my uncle is, I don't know who my granddad is, on that side, everything is lost. I'm cut off from the influence of generations, and I'm just trying to do the right thing. We're fighting inadequacy, and we're fighting insecurity, and we're fighting self-doubt. We're fighting whether or not I'm good enough for this battle to begin with. Because I'm just Joseph. I have no son of David. We're fighting whether or not I can raise this kid right. I'm fighting. And at the same time, nobody needs to encourage you to do what you're just supposed to do. You sure? Joseph has a foundation that is firm. And still, Joseph is fighting. So how much harder is it to fight without a foundation. He is all up in his head. And I'm telling you, his ego is crushed. And women, if you want to get at a man, go after his reputation. Go after his ego. You will destroy him. He was a pretty secure dude 
until the Holy Spirit got his fiance pregnant. You think you have competition issues with your marriage? Want to talk about history, honey? Will I ever come close? Talk about an unfair competition in his head to his virgin wife, Mary? He's crushed. I'm sorry, I'm not sanitizing the story. I'm just telling you like what it was like to be Joseph. Being Joseph is hard. Being Joseph is a fight. Being Joseph is a battle. I mean, you got to compete with the Holy Spirit to get your fiance pregnant in the future. And they had lots of kids. Thank you, Jesus. But still. And he's like, God, I'm grateful that the Savior of the world is coming to the earth. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, son. But if I were to be honest, he would probably say, but I wish you would have given it to another woman. I mean, pick another girl, God. Pick a virgin without a husband-to-be. They're all your women. They're all your ladies. They're all, they're all available. And Mary's like, I am available. And God's like, Joseph's like, shut up. You're not available. You're with me. I say, yes, Lord. Stop it. Stop saying yes, Lord. You're with me. We're together. Not that way. Let's go, honey. Pick another girl, God. I know it's supposed to be a compliment that I picked the same one that God picked. And wow, that's supposed to make me feel great. But God, can you just pick another girl without a boyfriend? Get your own. Get your own. Because I want to see Jesus come into the world and everything, but not through my sexy virgin girlfriend, Mary. See, I'm telling you what the real fight was. The stuff that he was thinking about and thinking a long time about. So long that God had to send angels. So I want Jesus to come in the world, but I don't want to have to live through what I got to live through. And so he's fighting internally, but I want to tell you he won the wrestle. And Joseph gives us some insight on how to win the fight. So if you're looking to become a winner, you're looking to become a champion, you got to train with champions. You got to listen to winners. You got to run with people who did it better than you've done it. So if you want to grow, you want to become, hang around people like Joseph. Anybody think Joseph has something to offer you this morning? Because what you're fighting for is worth fighting for. Listen, men, women, we must be fighters. You cannot win if you don't fight. Some people aren't even sure they want to step into the ring. I don't like fighting. I don't like confrontation. I don't like hard things. Well, I'm telling you, you got to fight in order to win. Because nothing is going to be given to you. Today you might be saying, it's hard. Fight. It's not fair. Fight anyways. They don't get me. I understand. Fight. I'm underappreciated. I understand. You're right. Fight. I'm misunderstood. Okay. Fight. I feel like everybody else's feelings matter, but mine don't. And when mine actually matter, I'm selfish. I can't be upset. My feelings can't be hurt. Yes, 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 yes. Fight. Fight. See, people are wrestling within, and if you're not willing to fight, you will lose. You will lose to the weakest out. Some of them are fighting confusion because they feel like they're getting conflicting messages from their culture. But Joseph fought and he won. I'm ready to fight and win. How about you? I'm pretty sure I'm ready to fight and win. So here's the first thing that Joseph does. You ready to, to learn from a luchador? You ready to learn from a luchador? He teaches us how to fight. He says, fight in your faith. Number one, fight in faith your faith we're gonna have to fight in our faith because mary comes to him and says god did it and he's obviously having some trouble believing that 
So an angel comes, says, Joseph, what she's conceiving is from God the Father, and I'm calling you to steward what I put on the inside of her. I'm calling you to take ownership for what I'm doing in her. So you got to fight to believe in what I put in the people that I'm holding you responsible for leading. you got to fight to believe in what I put in the person that I'm holding you responsible for leading. This is why I believe the enemy uniquely attacks people in their area of faith. And it's not just faith in God, it's their faith in people. It's their faith in their spouse. It's their faith in their friends. It's their faith in their coworkers. Because the devil knows the impact of a person going through the motions with a lack of faith. Because Joseph not only has to believe God for him, he's got to believe in what God put in those he's responsible for. Do you believe in what's inside of your spouse? Do you believe in what God is doing in your children? Joseph, you got to see what he put in Mary and believe that God called you to help birth that and to definitely name that. God, you put it in her. I got to help birth it. God, you started it. I got to help deliver it. God, you did it. I got to help protect and provide for it. God, you put it in my children. I can't see it because they're crazy annoying. And I'm going to, you know, I got to, but I got to help them. I got to protect it. So number one, you got to fight in the arena of your faith. You got to fight in the area of your faith. Number two, he was fighting his flesh. He's fighting his flesh because the desire to divorce her quietly probably wasn't just a faith issue. It's a flesh issue. It's an ego issue. It's a preference issue. Like, I love you, God, but I still wish you picked someone else's because the people around town are going to look at me weird. Like the biggest sucker in the world. My friends are going to say, you're doing what? You're believing what? You're listening to what story? He had to fight his flesh because everything inside of him is saying, this doesn't make sense. This is impossible. And I am the biggest fool in the world. And it was a dream, people. It was a dream. I had a dream. I got everything I wanted. It's not what it seemed. If I'm being honest, it could have been a nightmare. A really bad nightmare. But there was an angel. But I still woke up. And when I woke up, you know, it wasn't everything I wanted. He had to fight his flesh. He had in mind to divorce her. That's the flesh. He had in mind to do what makes sense. That's the flesh. He had in mind to get out now. That's the flesh. Number three, he had to fight fear. Text says, the angel tells him, don't be afraid. Every angel who ever shows up has to tell everybody, don't be afraid. We've been talking about this. These are not little... Little cute, dreamy angels, like with butterfly wings and, you know, cherubim arrows and stuff. These things are fierce. They're f- Don't be afraid. He's like, even though I know this baby is supposedly the savior of the world and this whole thing with Mary is God, I'm still scared out of my mind. What are you afraid of? A, a lot, actually, everything. People trying to kill me. People trying to kill my baby. Well, his baby, somebody's baby. I'm afraid I'm not good enough for this. I'm afraid 
I don't have the tools for this. I'm afraid nobody trained me for this. I feel like nobody understands this. I can't talk to anybody. I'm afraid. And nobody gets me in the whole world ever, have, ever will. I'm afraid. I'm hearing voices. I'm seeing dreams. What are you not afraid of? Joseph's like, everything. And this is what's interesting. Generally, men don't often want to times show their fear the way that we, we assume fear would be shown. You know why some men are workaholics, ladies? Fear. You know why they work nonstop? Because they're afraid. The fear of provision, the fear of getting enough to provide and shore up everything and make sure I got everything. It's the fear of will I be able to protect us long term? It looks cute, it looks diligent, but it's fear. It's the fear of things not going according to plan. And let's be honest, none of this is going according to plan. Anybody married to that man with a plan? Like you cannot shake him from that plan. It's even a dumb plan and he's like, we're doing this. It's the fear of losing my pride and my prestige and my position (laughs) and all the things that would be said about me, my place. Fear will pick a fight with you, sir. And you got to fight that fear. You've got to fight that fear, women of hope. Because God always works it together for good. The Bible says many are the plans of a man's heart, but the Lord's counsel will stand. He's fighting his flesh. He's fighting in his faith. He's fighting his fears. Number four, he's fighting his feelings. We would probably assume that the initial moment of agreement, Joseph has no more questions. He never again struggles with the assignment. I said yes to God. All right, I'll do it. But this is unrealistic because even Jesus was okay with his assignment at one point in his journey. And then he shows up in the garden of Gethsemane and starts sweating drops of blood. And he's struggling with saying yes again now in 2021. I I said yes in 2015. I said yes when I was 16. I said yes when I was 17. I said yes when I was 20. But I need to say yes again today. And he gets in this garden. He's like, God, if there's any way that I can do it my way or another way or any other way, would you please just take this cup? from me but we know Joseph is struggling with saying yes this is why Joseph is up and down sometimes because he's fighting in his feelings I don't I don't know God I meant my yes when I gave it to you it was real but I don't know how I feel about my yes right now I feel like saying no right now I feel like I I want it my way right now I feel like I'm sick of losing my life right now I feel like I think there's a better plan I feel really unsteady. I feel really unsure. I feel like I should have had more than a dream. By the way, thanks for the the stinking dream. He's fighting his fear. Number five, this is the biggest one. He's fighting his fate. He's fighting his destiny. He's fighting his purpose. He's, He's fighting his fate. The Bible said all this happened so that a prophecy would be fulfilled. See, long before you started, God had a bigger plan than your plan. He's wrestling within with what's been picked for him. And he didn't even see it coming. God said, no, 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 no. This is why you were born, Joseph. This is what you are here for. You're born for this. You're born for this. Don't fight this. This is fate. This is your destiny. 
He says, you're calling, man. You shall know the truth, and that truth will set you free. Truth is, you don't pick the life you're supposed to live. I know all your self-help books, and I know your life planning books, and I know your YouTube videos, and your, your podcast. That's not what you're hearing. Now, I know that's not what you received as true, but the truth is, you don't get to pick your fate, purpose, and destiny. You don't get to pick it. You discover it. You find it. You discover it, and you find it from God, and then you decide whether or not you will align your life with your assignment from God. Will you do it? Yes. Will you do it? maybe. Will you do it? Nah. You always have a choice. Men of hope, you always have a choice. You heard me on, on Wednesday night. Come on, men of hope is on fire. You got to get here December 10th. You always have a choice. If you're a man in the house and you like today's message, you should come to men of hope. You always have a choice. You always have a choice. You can say no. You can say maybe. You can say yes anytime. Just because you said yes once doesn't mean you're saying yes now. You may take it another way, but God only has one way. The path of the righteous is narrow and straight. It's not about you making your best plan. It's about following his plan. Joseph, th this child, it's your assignment, and it's been your assignment for before you even sucked oxygen on this planet. God trusted Joseph with Mary, and he trusts you with yours and the people in your life and that spouse and those children and those other relationships. He, he trusts you to handle them well. And your assignment, he trusts you with it. He says, I believe in you, Joseph. And it's a compliment. It's not supposed to crush him. It's supposed to bring him into all that he's created to be. And God trusts them with you. And sometimes the things that we're facing are not even about us. Most of the time. It's about what we're doing. We're supposed to, we're supposed to help others carry to reach their destiny. If I fulfill my destiny, it's really great. It's not even about me getting to my destiny. It's about helping others fulfill their destiny. In the Old Testament, the Bible speaks to men as pillars in the house of God. Pillars. Men, you've been born to bear weight. You need to be big enough for both. You've been built for it, and God is trusting you to be big enough for both. You just need to keep on building the skills to know how to carry it, even if you don't know that you're the son of David. You got to win this wrestle. You were born for this wrestle. It is in your future. It's in your fate. It's in your purpose. It's in your destiny. The wrestle is real, people of hope. I'm not just talking to men. I'm not just talking to women. I'm talking to all of us. We all struggle with things that are under the radar. And maybe today you're fighting under the radar. Fights nobody knows about. Fights to come home. Fights to keep food on the table. Fights to not give up on yourself. Fights to believe in your fate. Fights to be the best you you can be again today. When you're being criticized for not being what you've never seen. And sometimes you feel so deflated, but you cannot be defeated. And sometimes you feel so deflated, and that's okay, but you cannot be defeated. 
You have to fight. You have to fight. There's too many other people dependent on you not being defeated. There are people in your future that you haven't even met yet that are depending on you becoming a better version of yourself. I'm talking to every single young man in this room right now. Some people are like, I don't have a family. I don't have people I'm responsible for, and I like it that way. But listen, the people in your future are going to be blessed by or burdened by who you do or don't become now. Because now is not all that there is. And so God's trusting these trials with your going through right now as, as training. Anybody happy to be in the ring today? He still believes in you. The fact that you have a fight means that you have a father who believes in you. Fight is the evidence of your faith. He's here to make you a weight bearer. He's here to bring you into your assignment. And today I'm believing for every man, every woman, every young person that you will get in alignment with your assignment fresh.